680 CJOB. Weather. A mix of sun and cloud today, a high of minus 2. For tonight, mostly clear, a low of minus 14. Tomorrow, cloudy with a chance of flurries, a high of minus 5. And for Friday, sunny, a high of minus 5. It's minus 3 at 680 CGOB, and now it's Hal Anderson. Thank you very much, TFJ. Happy Wednesday. We've made it halfway through the week. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for making me and this show and CGOB part of your Wednesday. Really appreciate that. Not a bad forecast, I guess. Starting to get a little better, right? Minus 2 today, hopefully. Minus 14 overnight tonight. I mean, that's still too cold, but uh, it's better, right, than wind chills pushing minus 30. Minus 5 tomorrow, minus 5 again on Friday as we head into another weekend. Halfway to another weekend. That's all right. Nice and sunny outside. Looks beautiful, but it is a bit on the cold side. Lots coming up on the show here today. I'm really excited about chatting with Julie Black. That'll happen after Global News at 2.30. Julie, of course, is Canada's uh, queen of R&B, and um, she is one of the well-known Canadians that has been asked about the first time she was called whatever. Uh, We had, uh, you know, people on this week. You've been hearing it in the news, and uh, you're going to hear more as we go along through the week, for example. Uh, tomorrow afternoon on the news uh, here on CJOB with Richard and Julie. They will have a panel of Winnipeggers talking about the first time they were called whatever horrible word they were called. And uh, Friday, Jeff Courier will actually take your stories over the phone, 204-780-6868. And the hashtag is, if you want to go on social media, there's some great stuff on social media. Hashtag first time I was called. Hashtag first time I was called. And like I said, uh, Julie Black was called actually two horrible words. And she'll tell us about that and how it impacted her and what it means to her today when she joins us after Global News at 2.30 today. Now, coming up here at about 1.15 in about 10 minutes, Diana Foxhall is going to join us on the news today of the Richardson Research and Development Center. That's pretty exciting stuff. So Dan will be here in about 10 minutes for more on that. You just heard him do the news. I call him TFJ, Tristan Field-Jones. He is part of this series that you're hearing uh, on CGOB today, tomorrow, and Friday, over-the-counter culture. I'm part of this as well. As Mackley and McGarry explained this morning on their show, basically we split the newsroom in two, Half did the uh, shattering glass Winnipeg women a while ago last month, and then the other half this week will have over-the-counter culture. And TFJ is going to join us. We're going to play his package right after the news at 1.30, and then TFJ will be here, and a couple of experts will join us as well. Jonathan Chalice and Mark Hansen tell you all about them. But essentially, it's about disposing of your old medications, right? The right way and the wrong way. And and if you do it the wrong way and just dump it in the garbage or flush it down the toilet, what that could mean, it's not good. So we're going to talk about that, all right, after Global News at 1.30. And we're going to carry on that conversation right through the whole half hour. So if you have any questions or anything, by all means, uh, text or call 204 780 6868 or email hal at cjob.com. Your questions about disposing of old medications between 1.30 and 2 today. We're going to kick off the 2 o'clock hour 
with a tough trivia question. Your chance to win Home and Garden Show tickets. Home and Garden Show happening Thursday to Sunday at the RBC Convention Center. And we're going to toss in a gift certificate for some Santa Lucia pizza as well. Now, speaking of food. Man, we waste a lot of food. Canadians, on average, waste almost 400 kilos of food every year, each. And uh, so we're going to talk about that. I know Jeff Courier uh, had monthly Zed on today from a food fair, and I'll play a bit of that back for you, and we'll kind of talk about it. I think it all started with uh, Getty Stewart, home economist Getty Stewart on this, and chatting about ways to... Uh, so I'd be curious to know your tricks, you know, I, I I like, we were talking about this in the newsroom, I like leftovers. I figure if it was good enough to have the first time, let's have it again, right? So I'm okay with leftovers. I know a lot of people aren't. And I think that's where a lot of waste happens. A lot of waste happens, you go out, you stock up, especially on produce, for example, and then, oh boy, that lettuce has gone bad or whatever. So your tricks, how do you get around wasting food? I'd be curious to know your tricks. And what do you do maybe to spice up leftovers? Uh, those are a couple questions I'd like you to answer, please, for me today at 204-780-6868 and hal at cjob.com. I mentioned Julie Black after Global News at 2.30. And Sean Finn was on this morning with Mackling and McGarry from CN. And, boy, there are some real cool opportunities right now with CN. And I thought that was worth replaying. When I heard that driving in this morning, I thought, man, that's, we got to get that out there. Like you could get a gig right now. CN's looking for good people. And you start at 75K a year, starting at 75K a year, and you work 16 days a month. So if you're looking for work, CN may have a spot for you. So I'll replay a bit of that conversation Mackling and McGarry had this morning with CN Sean Finn. All right, we'll do that at about 2.45, quarter to three. And then, of course, as we go along here today, we got a bunch of odds and ends. We'll try and squeeze in wherever we can. Like, for example, if you're extremely gullible, probably not a whole lot you can do about it. If you're gullible, you're probably just gullible. It's going to stay that way. Um, apparently, splurging on a cleaning service could save your marriage. Interesting. Talk about that. Money troubles can kill you. Just some headlines and some things we may get to today. Oh, tipping. Are you a good tipper or not? I'd be curious to know. And the reason I'm bringing this up is one of the stars of Big Bang Theory dumped a very famous ex-boyfriend because he was a bad tipper. Are you a good tipper? Tell me your tipping stories. Have you got some good ones? Bad tippers, good tippers. Maybe, maybe you're a server and you got like a crazy great tip, you know, like 500 bucks or something. Tell me about it. Tipping. All right. Uh, what else? Just quickly here uh, before we uh, break for the first time here. Um, I think that's kind of it. Oh, apparently research shows, new research shows that eating pasta apparently does not contribute to weight gain, you know. I think we see pasta as kind of, like, oh, boy, i got to stay away from the, the pasta. That packs on the pounds. Apparently not the case. All right. So all that and much more on the way. Let's take our first break here. One eleven at CJOB. Hal Anderson on 680 CJOB. 
Minus three, but again, uh, today we have a bit of a wind chill. Minus 10 is actually what it feels like out there. All right, Global News reporter Diana Foxall joins us now. Hello, Diana. Hello, Hal. Thank you for uh, jumping on here and telling us about something you were at this morning, the Richardson Research and Development Center. This is pretty exciting. Tell us about it. It sure is. So this morning, Richardson International announced the construction of their new innovation center, and that's going to be a $30 million investment into downtown Winnipeg. It will be located where two parking lots are kind of, you know, just by the shot, the fields yeah, uh, back there, right. a little bit to the east of Portage in Maine. So mm-hmm. they're going to be taking over two parking lots at Lombard and Westbrook, and they're going to be turning that into a new research and development center for the work that they do on food science and food products and whatnot. So that is a pretty big, exciting thing for Winnipeg. And um, here is the CEO, Kurt Kurt Voss, and sort of explaining what they're going to be doing at that uh, at that facility when it's opened. Okay, It'll put food scientists together talking about issues that are relevant to the marketplace and evolving in the marketplace, not just here in Canada, but where really Canada and Manitoba and, and Winnipeg needs to go to the world because that's our marketplace. So they announced that today. Um, they're actually going to be putting shovels into the ground next week. So this is coming wow, really fast, eh? very, very quickly. To be honest, they have this uh, pretty well wrapped up with a bow. It's uh, it's all fully funded. They are doing it on their own. There's no sort of government funding or any sort of partnerships there. It is mm. purely Richardson International that will be funding this so that they can use the knowledge um, throughout their business. And they are expecting to be completed in about two years. So th- I believe there are construction fences out there already. They're going to be digging next week. So that is coming pretty quickly. And um, Hartley Richardson actually mentions that choosing downtown Winnipeg was a no-brainer. Obviously, they are a massive company and they could go anywhere they want, but they chose Winnipeg. The roots of the firm and the Richardson family run deep in Winnipeg, and we are very proud to call it home. Our vision has long been to see downtown Winnipeg reach its potential as a center of excellence for the agricultural industry. Hartley Richardson, and you know, I'll just jump in here quickly before you you have one more clip here, Dana, but uh, obviously Richardson, that name has been, uh, you know, downtown. And I I think this is really exciting that they're staying downtown. But just that everywhere you look right now, it seems like, you know, Winnipeg is really growing and developing. And there's some exciting projects happening, you know, True North, all that happening downtown as well. So there's that part of this too. This is kind of cool on its own, but I think it's just part of a, a great picture about Winnipeg in general right now. It is. And they said that um, that kind of is what they wanted to do. Obviously, this is great for their business, but they also mm. wanted to help see Winnipeg revitalized and lots of new development coming. Um, right. And there's going to be new jobs with this as well. This is Chuck Cohen uh, kind of explaining what you could expect to see with the new center. There will certainly be some new jobs. There's some uh, some, some senior people we're looking for as well, and, and we expect to expand on the food science part. Um, you know, And again, we're looking at putting in a facility here that uh, can carry us forward on projects that we currently do in lots of different little places. And as we do that, we'll do more of that work ourselves. So he says they will probably have about 100 or so employees initially. He says they have capacity for around 200. Mm. So the options are pretty wide open. Um, Kurt Vossen said it looks like they are going to be able to partner with universities, partner with other facilities, doing the sort of similar food science research. Um, and they will actually be hosting students if they need placements for universities to get some of that work, some of that collaboration going. So it is a very positive thing 
for quite a few people in the industry. Yeah. Uh, you've got some pictures here. I know it's radio. You can't see them, but we've got them on the website or we'll have them on the website soon. We will be having them on the website. I haven't updated that web copy just yet, but okay. it is going to be a beautiful building yeah. from the designs that we were given this morning. It's going to be 62,000 square feet. Uh, obviously, it's a fairly hefty investment, uh, but it's going to be four stories just a beautiful, sleek build- building centered around the atrium. And yeah, lots of glass, and it's you know it's not just a warehouse where they're no. going to do some research. It's really a nice, uh, a nice building. No, they will have obviously kitchen facilities, lab facilities, but there's also a lot of office space for working on the sort of technology and packaging aspects. Um, so it's a pretty well-rounded building in terms of the facility and um, the stuff that they are going to be doing there come spring of 2020, if everything goes to plan. Excellent. Well, good for the Richardson family, you know, and no government money. It's all privately funded, which is fantastic, even better. Thank you, Diana Foxall, Global News reporter Diana Foxall. And again, you can find more at the website, cjob.com, and those pictures will be up there shortly. All right? So that is very good news here as we move along on Wednesday. Fantastic. And... uh, couple of things that I was telling you about that I was uh, hoping to get to, we're going to be able to get to here right off the hop. Let me uh, tell you a couple things. Now, I've had a cleaner in the past. Um, we don't have a cleaner right now. My wife is, she's funny. Um, she likes to clean herself. There are some people that just love to do it themselves, love cleaning. She's one of those people. She's sort of fussy. She likes, you know, things a certain way. And I love her for it. She's fantastic. But apparently, according to a new study, splurging on a cleaning service could actually save your marriage. If you've ever lived with another human, you know how easy it is to come to blows about who's doing more housework. I mean, this is wives, husbands, roommates, right? Doesn't matter. So this new study says that spending your hard-earned cash to hire a maid or a cleaner could improve your relationship with your partner. Researchers from Harvard Business School and the University of BC, UBC involved in this as well. They analyzed seven studies involving a total of over 3,000 people, and they found those who spent more money on time-saving purchases felt happier about their relationship. Why? Well, because the purchase protected the couple from the negative impact of relationship stress and enabled them to enjoy more quality time Together, I have always really believed in this. If you can spend, if you've got the money and you can get somebody else to handle some tasks for you and it gives you more time with your significant other, I think that's huge. I, I really do. It's, it's In my opinion, it's worth way more than what you spend getting that task done. I, I really do think there's something to this. The finding of this study... Um, held up even when controlling for income. The study authors wrote, building on the insights from the current research, companies might want to consider providing employees with time-saving vouchers that employees can give to their partners during work trips as a way of providing social support to their spouses while they're away. These benefits could be particularly helpful for reducing conflicts pertaining to work and family life, right? That balance that so many of us struggle with. So they're even suggesting, hey, companies might want to give a voucher uh, so that those tasks around the house can get done and uh, it'll make you happier. And then when the work pulls you away for a project, like, for example, 
here at CGLB this week. A lot of us have been spending time on this uh, over-the-counter culture series that you're going to uh, hear more about after the news at uh, 1.30 here when TFJ joins us with his piece and a couple of experts on getting rid of old medications. So, you know, we've been putting in extra hours on that, and yeah, sure, you know, your wife says, what's your name again? <laughs> when are you going to be home? You know, I was here, wor- Sunday, for example, I was here working on Sunday, and I bolted home just in time to have Easter dinner with my wife and her mother and, and her brother. So I think this is, there's something to this. I think that's, uh, now, don't necessarily, you know, give a cleaning gift certificate to your wife for her birthday, get her something nice. But I think this is something that really could uh, help out a marriage and a relationship, even if it's roommates, right? Hey, you know what? We don't have to worry about cleaning the place this week. I've got somebody coming in to clean it, and it's all good. I really think that does kind of go a long way. Hey, today, let's take a look at what today is, all right? I like taking a look and uh, seeing what today is. Today is Child Help Day of Hope. Oh, where's Clay Young? Today is Hug a Newsman Day. Today is Hug a Newsman Day. Today. I'll hug Clay, but I don't want to hug TFJ. International Day for Mine Awareness and Assistance in Mine Action. It is Jeep 4x4 Day. It's Walking Day today. It's Paraprofessional Appreciation Day. School Librarian Day. It's Tell a Lie Day. Now, why would they have a day where you can tell a lie? But it's Tell a Lie Day. It's Victims of Violence Holy Day. Vitamin C Day. Walk Around Things Day. Now, why wouldn't the Walk Around Things Day people get together with the the, uh, Walking Day people and just kind of, you know, get rid of one day? It's also Whole Grain Sampling Day today, and it is World Rat Day today, a day even for the rats. And it's not just here. It's like around the world, a global day, world day for rats. 126, the news. Savannah Pierce is going to take care of the news here at 130 because TFJ is going to join us right after the news with his package on dispensing with old medications, and then TFJ will join us live in studio with a couple of experts. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Over-the-counter culture on 680 CJOB. Thank you, Savannah. Yes, Tristan Field-Jones has put together a piece here for us. Our over-the-counter culture series continues. Drug disposal, the subject at hand here. If you look in your medicine cabinet, and notice leftover pills, you probably thought of throwing them out or flushing them down the toilet. But as CJOB's TFJ, Tristan Field-Jones, explains, that's the last thing you should do because medication can cause more harm than good if it contaminates the environment. Do you know how to properly get rid of unused or expired prescription drugs? No, it's just in my cupboard, but I sometimes I take it again if I am sick. Uh, I don't know. Flush them down the toilet. I throw it out. Store them. I don't know, or I would just throw them out. If I didn't finish them, I'd probably throw them out. It's probably no surprise that many people don't know how or where to dispose of medication. And if drugs aren't properly taken care of, that can result in potentially dangerous situations. 
Jill Hardy is the deputy registrar at the College of Pharmacists of Manitoba and outlines what happens if you throw medication in the garbage. That's a risk to um, to the pets, the children in their home, but also when that garbage goes out into the community, it, it, it can put wildlife at risk. However, there's an easy and convenient way to dispose of prescription drugs. It's called the Manitoba Medications Return Program, and Hardy says so far, it's been highly successful. It's a free program for patients to be able to bring their medications back. Uh, unused medications, expired medications, um, even over-the-counter products that um, that perhaps are expired, that are in, in their medication uh, cabinets that are not being used. Thanks to this initiative, you don't even have to return the drugs to the same place where you got them. Any pharmacy in the province will accept those medications. For confidentiality, it's important that any um, patient names and, and things like that are, are off the medication. Um, so if, if you have a chance before you go to the pharmacy to remove that label and in your name, that would be very helpful. Hardy says it's impossible to track exactly how many people dispose of unused meds correctly, but she is seeing greater awareness among pharmacies and patients. In fact, some healthcare facilities take it upon themselves to destroy medication when needed. There are many different ways to neutralize the drugs so they are no longer effective. Hardy explains how long-term care homes dispose of pharmaceuticals. They have these small bins uh, at the patient bedside for narcotics, say fentanyl or, or other opioids. And it's really a um, carbon-based charcoal um, that will deactivate the medication when it enters into the, to, to the liquid. Of course, we're not perfect, so some drugs will get thrown away or flushed down the toilet, and that eventually ends up in our water. Jonathan Chalice is a PhD candidate in chemistry at the University of Winnipeg. He works with researchers who are looking at contaminants in our rivers and lakes. Chalice explains one method that's used to detect pharmaceuticals, known as grab sampling. So you literally take a bottle out to the environment with you, dunk it in the river or lake, uh, and bring it back to the lab and then extract it. And often that uh, is the most time-consuming aspect of the whole process. Uh, because we have to get the sample clean enough uh, in order to analyze on our very sensitive instruments. And then we concentrate that down. So we take 500 mils, for example, and go down to one mil. Now the chemical that was at a very low concentration in the water column is now 500 times concentrated so that our instruments can detect them appropriately. Chalice says they take multiple samples from several sites in order to get accurate readings. You can't just go out to the Red River sample once and publish that. No, the study that we just submitted is three years of monitoring of the Red River, Lake Winnipeg, Norway House Cree Nation. So really a, a nice story of what is happening to these chemicals once they get into the environment uh, across a huge watershed. So far, the results aren't too concerning. Mark Hansen is an environment and geography professor at the University of Manitoba who examines risks to our ecology. He says the concentration of chemicals and drugs in our waterways is very low. If you think about that uh, Tylenol you took, there was 500 milligrams of Tylenol in there, and now we're down to, say, a few nanograms of Tylenol in the water. Uh, you'd have to drink thousands upon thousands upon thousands of litres of water to get back to that one Tylenol you took. So for things like fish and other things, uh, the doses are typically not acutely toxic. Despite better practices when it comes to disposing medication, some drugs would end up in the water no matter what. 
Charles Wong is the Canada Research Chair in Ecotoxicology at the University of Winnipeg. He explains why pharmaceuticals enter our rivers and streams, regardless of how we get rid of them. Our body doesn't necessarily degrade the drugs completely in the body. Um, we will excrete it through the urine and also through the feces. Wastewater treatment plants generally are not designed to get rid of these chemicals. They're designed to get rid of nutrients, get rid of particulates, get rid of bacteria, things like that. We're lucky in Manitoba because we're dealing with a relatively low population, so even untreated water is somewhat clean. However, Wong has done extensive research in China, and he's seen firsthand what happens when a lot of people live in a small area and the water isn't taken care of. There's 100 million people crowded into Guangdong province, which is smaller physically than um, the province of Manitoba, if I remember correctly. And we're talking concentrations there of some of these chemicals out in the open waters that are higher than those in our, in fact, in our wastewater treatment so, we're not China, we do a pretty good job disposing of medication, and our water is, for the most part, clean. However, Mark Hansen cautions those aren't reasons to become complacent. The reason we've been able to achieve these successes is because we've been active in terms of trying to reduce those releases, uh, have the appropriate treatments, uh, have the appropriate regulations, right? We sort of forget that this wasn't just something that happened out of the blue. It was people thinking consciously in, in design and engineering and, and, and government trying to make these things happen. Joining us now, live in studio, to talk about his piece on uh, drug disposal, part of our over-the-counter culture series here on CJOB, is Tristan Field-Jones. Great job, pal. Thank you very much, Al. It was a fascinating story to put together. I will get to you in a second. Uh, I want to introduce everybody to our two guests. Uh, Jonathan Chalice joins us in studio. Jonathan is a PhD candidate in chemistry at the U of W, and he studies contaminants in H2O, water. Jonathan, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. And on the phone, Mark Hansen. Mark is a professor, Department of Environment and Geography at the U of M, and he looks at ecological risk. Mark, thanks a lot for doing this. My pleasure. So hang on, Jonathan and Mark. Let me ask you, Tristan, a question. Uh, After putting this together, talking to these gentlemen and others, what have you learned? What's the biggest thing you, you take from this? The biggest thing I take is how few people know how to properly dispose of drugs and how much of an impact that can have on the environment. I mean, the piece we mentioned, you know, we don't have to worry too much about contaminants here in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. But as Charles Wong, one of the researchers there said, you amplify that 100 times like in China, as an yeah. example, it becomes a big problem. And, you know, Mark cautioned we shouldn't be complacent. So... It really is amazing how much, yes, it is only one Tylenol pill flushed down the toilet, but you start multiplying that and suddenly those innocent pills can become something far more serious when it comes to our waterways and our environment in general. Yeah. Mark, let me ask you this question. Uh, it seems to me that we, and and I don't know who we is, but we haven't done a good enough job of telling people how to dispose of their old medications. And that's a that's a good point, and it's not a common uh, sorry, it's not an uncommon uh, issue with a lot of public uh, programs where you're trying to reach individuals to encourage them to do the right thing. This this could be recycling, this could be disposing of your medication. It, it takes time. It's a it's a sort of a cultural shift. 
uh, we need to reach a wide audience. And if we can reach younger people, it just becomes part of their own routines, right? This isn't something that people, say, 20 or 30 years ago thought too much about. Uh, but now that it's on the radar and sort of part of the public consciousness, uh, the hope is that moving forward, uh, you get that generational change. And, you know, 20, 30 years from now, it's common practice. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan, uh, you know, medications, where, where does medication uh, rank on the list when it comes to water contaminants? That's the area you study, right? On the list, is it three or four? Like how big of an issue it is? Is it compared to maybe some other issues we're more familiar with? Well, it's a little bit tough to rank them just because yeah. there literally are thousands of contaminants getting into the environment every sure. single day, and uh, many of which we still have yet to characterize. Right. Um but, I mean, along with pharmaceuticals, I also uh, look a lot at pesticides. Right. And I would sort of group those together mm-hmm. in the sense that both of these chemicals uh, are designed to have a biological effect in their host, right? So for right. humans taking pharmaceuticals, they're designed to yeah. have a, a good effect on us, right? Same with pesticides. It's, it's pesti- designed to have an impact. Correct. Right. Exactly. Kill the pest, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but the question with these types of contaminants that are biologically active, when they get into the environment and are interacting with organisms that weren't intended to be interacting with those active compounds, mm-hmm. what what is the potential effects there? So they're certainly not at the top of the list right. um, in these systems, Um and they're probably, I would put them below pesticides just because pesticides uh, are used in much larger abundances. Right. Uh, uh, especially throughout the Red River Valley. Yeah. There's a lot of agriculture going on. Right. Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah. it's an important one. Yeah. We're, we're going to take a break. Uh, do you have anything you want to add here, TFJ? We're going to come back. We're going to keep talking. Yeah. And, and you know what I'll say, Hal, is that just real quick on the on the topic of pesticides, uh, yeah. Charles Wong, who unfortunately couldn't join us here in studio, but this was a clip I wasn't able to work into the, the mini doc, but I figured I'd just play it because he mentioned kind of along the lines that Jonathan was saying mm-hmm. that one of the things we don't consider enough is agriculture. If you have a field full of, you know, livestock, and they're uh, being administered drugs to keep them healthy. You've got that entire field that could possibly be a source, and it could be a pretty big field. It's, it's a much more difficult problem to handle. Again, it's another one of these things where you don't think about it until somebody brings it up and says, well, these livestock, they have drugs. Those drugs don't mm-hmm. all magically disappear, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I, that's another angle for us to consider, especially in the Red River Valley where there is so much agriculture. Yeah, for sure. Anybody has any questions out there, the phone lines are open. You can text or call 204-780-6868. You can email hal at cjob.com. Tristan Field-Jones, Jonathan Chalice, and Mark Hansen. We're talking about drug disposal here on CJOB, over-the-counter culture. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Over-the-counter culture on 680 CJOB. Yes, our series here on CJOB, drug disposal is the subject right now. Tristan Field-Jones put together a package that we heard uh, on drug disposal, and we've got a couple of experts uh, joining us now, Jonathan Chalice is here. Jonathan is a PhD candidate, chemistry, U of W. He studies contaminants in water. And Mark Hansen's joining us on the phone. Mark is a professor at the Department of Environment and Geography at the U of M, and he looks at ecological risk. Uh, Mark, let me ask you uh, the next question. 
So what is the impact here? Uh, how bad? Maybe it's not that bad now uh, from what I heard in, in Tristan's piece, but I guess as time goes by, this could get a lot worse, right? Yeah, and it's you're sort of stepping back to first principles, right? The, the dose makes the poison. The more material, the more likely you are to see an effect. Uh, and for pharmaceuticals in the environment, the, the first thing that people did notice uh, was related to estrogenic compounds, right? And that would be your birth control pill, but also just uh, natural hormones, uh, estrogens uh, in urine from uh, females. And what they would notice in the environment is fish exhibiting sort of uh, uh, intersex characteristics and male fish exhibiting uh, issues with reproduction. And that's probably uh, the biggest uh, concern related to pharmaceuticals uh, in wastewater are those effects of estrogenic compounds on fish populations. And, and that happens at very low concentrations. Uh, hormones uh, are very biologically active. It doesn't take very much for them to exert those effects. And so that's, that's the thing we tend to keep an eye out uh, for the most. Uh, and, and for the most part, as the series has alluded to, because our population numbers are so low, uh, you can imagine it's all proportional, right? The, the amount of estrogens released in the environment will be proportional to the, the amount of females in your environment. And in Manitoba, you know, back of the envelope calculation, that's about half a million people. And then relative to other places, uh, you know, such as China, uh, those numbers are very, very low. So again, we're, we're lucky we don't have the densities that could result in, say, those types of significant effects. Mm -hmm. And then is there a worry as we consume those fish? Is that the concern for us walking on the land here? Uh, or are we just concerned for the fish population? Yeah, your, your primary concern is mainly for the fish themselves, right? And those effects tend to be uh, sort of relegated to the actual plume itself, where, where the wastewater has a significant influence on the receiving waters. Uh, so this isn't something you're worried about happening, say, in Lake Winnipeg itself, but, you know, sort of downstream of wastewater treatment plants on the Red River or the Assiniboine or elsewhere is where you'd start to see those phenomena. And because we don't have, you know, city here and city here and city here and city here, um, that plume tends to be sort of much more localized. So you're not getting the whole river being influenced by estrogens, just very small parts, and the, the fish are moving in and out of the plume, so the effects are mitigated. Yeah, Jonathan was just telling me off-air during the break, uh, a lot of this stuff, these contaminants that end up in the water, we're peeing them into the water, right? I mean, that's a part of this, uh, absolutely, isn't it, Jonathan? Yeah, for sure. I mean, as as important as this awareness is around dis proper disposal of the pharmaceuticals, uh, the fact remains that the uh, these things are still going to be getting out there simply because humans are not going to stop taking pharmaceuticals, right? Right, and nothing and, we can do about that. Correct, and they shouldn't stop, right? Mm -hmm. It's just um, being aware of it, uh, I think, is important, and disposal of the pharmaceuticals properly just helps mitigate that a little bit because of the fact that we are still putting in uh, so much just by excreting them. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is a question for Mark, but if it's not, Mark, pass it on to Jonathan. But it, you, we've compared, you know, it's not that bad here compared to China. We've mentioned China a few times. How bad is it in a country like China? Yeah, and I, I honestly don't know. I don't want to speak too much to that just because it's not necessarily where I can sort of uh, highlight certain examples. But sure. um, just, you know, 
examining the population densities, the, the, the draws on water. You know, we're, we're lucky here. We, we do have a lot of water in Canada for, for the most part. We're not, you know, with our vast uh, landscape and surface waters, we're not as hard-pressed to, to draw on those resources and mm-hmm. find, you know, irrigation and drinking water and industrial uses. We don't have to do that. And so there, when we talk about water, that it's being pulled in so many directions, right, and being reused constantly. Uh, their issues are, are not just ecological, but potentially sort of uh, contaminating landscapes as well as potential human health impacts because they're drawing water from these impacted sources. And so, yeah, their, their issues are, you know, would be significantly greater than ours. But as to the actual, uh, what that looks like, uh, you know, from a human health perspective or an ecological mm. perspective, I can only sort of at this stage uh, postulate and guess. Yeah. And Tristan, uh, Robert just sent us a text message, 204-780-6868. How I took some medication back to the pharmacy to dispose of, and they looked at me like I had two heads. Is that where I'm supposed to take my old and expired medication? So let's uh, just clarify that. Generally, yes. I'm kind of surprised to hear that. Now, when I spoke to Jill Hardy, she's with the College of Pharmacists of Manitoba. She Mm. said they have a medication return program, and it's something like 87% of pharmacies take part in that. Mm. So, Robert, I'm kind of surprised to hear that because I asked her, I said, uh, any names? And she said, generally, the big ones, so at Safeway or Shoppers or pretty much any major. Rexall. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So most of those, and and, and when I'd think almost all of those, especially the major chains, should accept that back mm-hmm. because they will take care of uh, yeah. essentially neutralizing those drugs properly. So yeah, that's kind of surprising yeah. for me to hear that because the vast majority of pharmacies should accept that it gets to be trickier in rural areas mm-hmm. where there's uh, fewer resources available. But here in Winnipeg, if you're if you're living in Winnipeg, that shouldn't be an issue. And TFJ, it is your uh, package here, your piece. I'll give you the final thirty seconds. Well, you know, I when I came into this, I was so uh, surprised to hear about the extensive. Uh, scientific research that goes into simply testing the water. I mean, we really don't think of stuff that we throw out or flush down the toilet. And to me, this was really eye-opening. And, and you know, I t- talking to my mom yesterday about this, she said, oh, I used to flush pills down the toilet all the time. Mm-hmm. And after hearing this piece, you know, she's like, well, I'll think twice about that. So yeah. I think it's... We never, we never quite realize how much of an impact we have on the environment until people like Jonathan and Mark and Charles say, mm-hmm. wait a minute, we're having an effect here. Let's watch ourselves. Well, great job, TFJ. Proud to have you on the team. Proud to have you on the over-the-counter culture team. Uh, thanks a lot for doing that. Mark, thank you very much. Appreciate your time and help with this. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And Jonathan, thank you, Jonathan. Best of luck in, uh, in the future with all your endeavors, and thanks for doing this. Great. Thanks for having me. All right, we are taking a break. Savannah Pierce standing by with the 2 o'clock global news. It's next on CJOB. Want more over-the-counter culture? Go to CJOB.com. Thank you very much, Savannah. Savannah Pierce helping out Tristan Field-Jones a bit there while he was uh, in here talking about his piece on uh, over-the-counter culture, our series here on CJOB. Disposing of old meds. And by the way, the series continues here on CJOB uh, this afternoon on the news with Richard Cluche and Julie Buckingham. Richard will talk more about pharmacare. He was on Jeff Courier's show this morning talking about that. Richard will have more on the news starting at 4. And by the way, tomorrow, kicking off the series here on CJOB, Mackling and McGarry and Greg will have a piece on superbugs. And then later in the day tomorrow, 
Diana Foxhall will talk opioids. So as you can see, we're covering a lot of stories with this series, Over the Counter Culture. And I just finished mine. That will uh, premiere on this show on Friday. But it's uh, all about a local researcher who is on the verge of a new drug that would do some pretty incredible stuff local. And uh, it's a, a drug that could change a lot of lives, millions of lives. And so I'm excited to have that story for you here on this show coming up on Friday. Over the counter culture. And of course, you can find a lot more at the website cjob.com and also globalnews.ca. All right. Just want to make sure I uh, get that out there. We're going to do tough trivia here in a moment. Let me get Bob on quickly. Bob has been patiently waiting through the news to uh, talk to us. 204 780 Hello, Bob. Hey, Hal. How are you doing? Good. You? Good. I was just calling about the people that want to drop off pres- prescription medications. Yes. I work at a transfer station, the RMS Springfield. Okay. And just wanted to let you know that people that live in Springfield and th- this whole area, twice a year we have a hazardous waste day. And people with prescription meds can drop them off on those two days. And Miller Environmental, they pick them all up and they dispose of them for us. Ah, and where are you at? Where do you work? I, I work at a transfer station out by Enola, but the RM is Springfield. Mm-hmm. Twice a year, we have hazardous waste day. Gotcha. And people with their prescription meds and things, they can mm-hmm. drop them off at our transfer stations. And Miller Environmental picks them up for us and they dispose of them. Good to know. Thank you, Bob. Okay, thanks, Al. All right, uh, here we go. Tough trivia. Get it right, and you win. You win tickets to the Home and Garden Show Thursday to Sunday at RBC Convention Center, and we're going to toss in a gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza as well. And by the way, I'm going to have on my weekend show, Hal Anderson Weekends here on CJOB, 6 to 9 a.m. Saturday and Sunday morning, two HGTV stars. Todd Talbot from uh, Love It or List It Vancouver, and also uh, Tiffany Pratt is going to be on the show this weekend from uh, Home to Win, as the Home and Garden Show is on at the Convention Center. Here is the question, the tickets and the pizza, if you get the question right. Research shows 42% of people do this before going to bed. What is it? 42% of us do this before going to bed, so... You know, we're getting up there close to half of the people do this. Think about all the stuff you do before you go to bed. What's the answer to the tough trivia question? Research shows 42% of people do this before going to bed. 204-780-6868. Hello, have you got a guess? Is it brush your teeth? Not brush your teeth. Not the answer we're looking for. No. Hi, CGOB. How about pray? Pray, that's a good one. Uh, but no, not pray, not the answer. I mean, a lot of this stuff people do before they go to bed, no question, but not the answer we're looking for. Hi. Hi, watch TV. Watch TV. They say you shouldn't, if you have problems sleeping, they say you should turn the screens off before bed. Don't do that. But I think you're right. A lot of people watch TV before they go to bed, but again, not the answer we're looking for. Hi, CJOB. Oh, hi, can you repeat the, the question, please? The question is, research shows 42% of us do this before going to bed. What is that? Read a book. Read a book? No, not read a book. Hello, CJOB. 
Hi there. Is it check their social media? No, not check your social media. No. Hi, CJOB. Hello. Hi. Get a guess? Uh, kiss our other person goodnight. Yes. Kiss that significant other goodnight. No, not a kiss. Hi, CJOB. Yes, uh, but could be a question. I think a lot of people go to the washroom before they go to the bed. I think you're probably right about that, but it's not the answer to our tough trivia question. Sorry about that. Hello, CJOB. Fluff the pillow. Fluff the pillow. Jeff Courier knows all about fluffing the pillow, but no, not the uh, correct answer. Hi, CJOB. Yeah, I think I've got the answer. All right, well, let's hear it. All right. Turn off your cell phone. No, not turn off your cell phone. Hi, CJOB. Set the alarm clock. No, it's not set your no. Uh, but you do you do something with a gadget. You do something. So there's a bit of a hint. It is uh, it's something like that. You got to do this before. Well, forty two percent of people apparently, according to this research, do this before they go to bed. What do they do? But that's not the answer we need. Hi, CJOB. Is it exercise? Not exercise, no. Hello, have you got an answer? Uh, drink some water. Not drink some water, no. Hi. Hello, CJOB. Hi, lock your door. Not lock your door. Hi. Hi, char- uh, charge your electronic. Mm, no. Hello, CJOB. Hi. Hi. What's your guess? Oh, sorry. Um... Take your watch off. Not take your watch off. No. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Is it um, check the emails? You made that up as you were saying it, didn't you? (laughs) No, it's not. No. I'll tell you this. It's turn something on. What do you turn on? You're going to go to bed. What do you turn on? Hi. Hi, your spouse. <laughs> you turn on your spouse. That's a good answer. That may be the answer of the week right there, but not what we're <laughs> not what we're looking for. Sorry right. about that. All right. No okay. Hello, CJOB. Hi, is it is the answer um food? Not food. No. What do you what do you turn on before you go to bed? You turn this on. Hi. Is it set your uh coffee maker? No. Hello, CJOB. Turn your alarm system on? No. Hello, CJOB. Quickly, I can hear you. Hello. Yeah. Oh, hi. Um, is it set your alarm for your house? No, it's not. You got to turn something on when you go to bed. Hi. Hi. What's your answer? Uh, turn your alarm on? No. Okay, I'm going to give you one more. I might as well just tell you what the answer is at this point, but here's one more hint. When you go to bed, it's usually dark. So what do you turn on when you go to bed so you can see when you get up to go to the bathroom? But you have to be very specific. Okay? Hi, have you got an answer? Yes, I have. What your is night it? light? Your, your night, night light? light, yes. <laughs> wow. That was almost as difficult as my first marriage. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what is your name? My name is Ursula. Ursula, you have won yourself tickets to go to the Home and Garden Show, which is on this weekend starting Thursday at the Convention Center, and some great pizza from Santa Lucia Pizza as well. Oh, thank you so very, yeah. very much. You thank are you. welcome. I'll put you on hold here. Jeff Forte is going to get you all signed up. 2.13 now. 
It's Hal Anderson on 680 CJOB. All right, uh, we get uh, text messages here at 204-780-6868. And for some reason, some of them get all broken up into little tiny uh, messages. And so I think I've put this one back together again. Because whoever wrote it, they took so much time doing it. I want to read this. And it's about food. And we're going to talk a little more about food here in just a a bit. All right. uh, Now, I hope I got this right. When the fridge has bits and pieces of vegetables in it, then it's stir-fry night. I'm talking about how not to waste food and leftovers, how to spice spice up leftovers and all that kind of stuff. Add a bit of canned corn or black peas to jazz it up a bit. Don't throw out your leftovers stir-fry. It is even better the next day. Leftover rice. Make stir-fry rice with a little bit of celery and onion. If you have frozen peas in the freezer, then throw in a handful of those into the rice. Or for leftover rice, make a quick rice pudding. Put rice in a cereal bowl. Add a bit of, uh, no, I've messed it up. <laughs> Add a bit of, uh, oh, a bit of sugar, cinnamon, and milk. Microwave for one to two minutes. It's done. Leftover pasta. Easy. Heat up some oil in a pan. Add garlic. Chop parsley. Add pasta, you have uh, a great pasta dish. Or heat up leftover pasta in a frying pan, add grated cheese, cook until crispy. This dish makes you feel like a kid again. Thank you so much for that. Man, there are several good ideas in there. As we've been talking, um, oh, I guess almost since about this time yesterday, about how much food we waste. And I guess the number is almost 400 kilos per person per year. Imagine that's a lot when you think about it. And let's face it, we all waste food, no question. You know, whether it's you didn't finish your your meal and it goes in the garbage, or I think the bigger culprit is it goes bad in the fridge, right? But what if you're a grocer? What if you, you know, you, you run a grocery store like Munther Zeed? And uh, he was on with Jeff Courier today talking about the waste at their grocery stores. No, actually, it's kind of uh, embarrassing to be on the air and talking about this as a retailer. Uh, we're guilty of a lot of things. We try to reduce as much as we can and uh, somehow sell it or give it away as much as we can, but uh, there's a lot of issues that prevent us from doing that. One thing is the dating. Uh, everything has a date on it. Uh, a lot of people are really unfamiliar with the, how the dates work and they believe once it hits the date, it's no good, which is not true. Whether it be yogurts, whether it be canned goods, whether it be anything. I mean, as retailers, and once you work in the retail industry, you sort of understand and know how the dates work and how the products uh, work. Can they be eaten? Can they not be eaten? And you try and salvage, salvage as much as you can, but uh, a lot of people still will refuse to buy it at a reduced price or even take it home. Even fruit and vegetables. Uh, when we have uh, produce that turns a little bit, we reduce it. Um, and there are people out there that are of a low income that wait to see stuff like that. I mean, we have shoppers that come in daily and check what we call the reduced rack. Uh, some stores wait till closing time, last half hour, and reduce a bunch of stuff. Every store has a way of trying to reduce the waste as much as possible. Mother Zed on with Jeff Courier here on CJOB today. Of course, uh uh, food fair, their stores, and, uh, you know, Munther being honest there about, yeah, there's waste and, you know, the ways that 
they try and reduce the waste. So I'd be curious to hear more of your stories on this. How do you try and avoid wasting food? How do you spice up the leftovers? Any tricks? I know on Mackling and McGarry this morning, they had their, uh, you know, everybody was around the table. They were having coffee and talking about the different tricks they have. And Kelly was talking about these special containers he has that, you know, keep the produce fresher longer. Anything like that that you've got that you want to share, 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. So a story just coming across the wire here about Facebook. Do you want to hear this? I'm not so sure you want to hear this. Facebook says the data of more than 620,000 Canadians was likely shared improperly with a political consulting company that is at the center of an international uproar over the use of social media information for political purposes. In a statement today, Facebook, the social media giant, estimated that 622, 161 Facebook users in Canada, so more than 620,000 Facebook users in Canada, had their data improperly shared with Cambridge Analytica through apps used by themselves or their friends. Overall, Facebook says 87 million of its users were affected, with nearly 82% of them believed to be in the U.S. According to this new story, over 620,000 of them Canadians. Cambridge Analytica has been accused of using crunch data that was collected without users' authorization to help Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. After word of the breach surfaced last month, Canada's privacy commissioner launched an investigation to determine whether Facebook respected the federal privacy law covering private companies. Canada's acting minister for democratic institutions has also said he'd be open to strengthening federal privacy laws which don't currently apply to political parties. To address concerns, Facebook announced new plans Wednesday to restrict data access on the platform and to better protect users' information. That's nice, but doesn't do much good for the apparently 622,161 Facebook users here in Canada who had their data improperly shared with Cambridge Analytica. So there you go. The conversation resumes. The debate carries on. Facebook. You going to break up with Facebook? I'm certainly doing uh, my social media differently. I'm still not so sure I'm really protecting myself anymore or not, but I'm definitely not doing the quizzes and the, you know, in those apps and things like that where you can, you know, maybe get into trouble, but I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if anything we do is necessarily going to change any of this. we got just enough time for Sandy. Sandy wants to talk about saving food, not wasting as much food. 204-780-6868. Hello, Sandy. Hi. Hi. Um, I find that I have three things that always used to go bad. Okay. Celery, uh, mushrooms, and onions. So what I do, I buy the Costco pack of mushrooms, and I fry them all up, 
the very first day yep. and break them up into packages, and then you can just throw them in an omelet or, or on a pizza or whatever you're making. Now you or just always got them ready if you need them. Exactly. They're already yeah. ready to go. And they're just in little baggies that you can, you know, take out one at a time. Yep. With the celery, I use it for a couple of days, and then I chop it all up and throw it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And same with the onion. Usually I'm using about half an onion at a time. So I chop up the whole thing, put the other half in a baggie, throw it in the freezer. You've always got onion, and they never go bad because what, it, what you do is you finish chopping it, and you use half an onion fresh each time, and the other half ends up in the freezer. When you're all finished your onions that are fresh, then you start using the frozen ones. Good for you, Sandy. You know what? It's so much of this, I think... You're absolutely right. It can be dealt with and handled by just prepping more, right? Yeah, and I used to throw out at least half the bag of celery or, you know, two or three onions would always go bad. No more. I'm not throwing any of it out anymore. Great call, Sandy. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Bye. Appreciate it. Yeah, listen, and I know what people are saying out there when I, you know, congratulate Sandy for taking the time to, I don't have the time, Hal. I'm busy. That's the whole point. I don't have the, but if you were to sit down and figure out what that almost 400 kilos of wasted food every year costs you, you might approach it differently. You might give what Sandy is suggesting a try. I'm just saying. 227, 230 Global News in just a few minutes, and make sure you stick around because when we come back after the news, Julie Black joins us for a very important conversation. Hal on CJOB. Thank you, TFJ. Tristan Field-Jones will have global news for you at 3 o'clock and sports at 325 and global news at 330. TFJ is kind of the info man around here. Uh, When I'm on the air weekday afternoons, I am really excited to talk to this next guest. I've been excited for several days now, knowing that I was going to get to uh, chat with her. Joining us on the phone now, Julie Black. Hello, Julie. Hey, how are you? Great. Such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for doing this. It's my honor. I wish we were uh, talking about something more pleasant, but I do think this is a really important conversation to have. Uh, Our global Toronto anchor, Farah Nasser, Uh, started asking well-known Canadians this question the first time they were called blank, dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were actually called two horrible things. Tell us about that. Yes, sir. I was, um, so I was called the N-word and the Hmm. um, B-word combined uh, at the the beautiful tender age of 12 years old, taking public transportation to middle school. Um, from middle school, in fact. And I was just being a typical child. We were, you know, laughing and giggling at our, um, you know, our Walkman. I know I'm dating myself because who has Walkmans now? Those are now like iPads and iPhones. <laughs> right. um, and uh, this, this lady was not happy with the noise, and she told me to, to shut up and be. And uh, I've been 5'10 since I was 10 with a size 10 shoe. So I don't know if she thought I was an adult or, an, or you know, a teen. Um, but I, there's no justification. It was it was hurtful, and uh, right there it planted a seed of insecurity in me. Um, I had never been blatantly called that uh, to my face. Uh, I wasn't raised seeing color, and I didn't even. And I, I see even now in my career when people ask, "How is it as a black woman?" I said, "I don't feel the blackness on my skin." So I, I don't. I've never experienced that. So it was really it was. It made me feel extremely small. 
it made me feel dirty uh, because the B word is, it was never, a, it's not a good word. I don't care if they put it in music, <laughs> they put it, they say it, it, you know, amongst friends and peers. Like, no, it's just wrong. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian woman as well. So that's, that's just not how I speak. So it, it hurt me hard. And uh, thank God for my tribe, for my mother, my father, my siblings, you know, to prop me up. And I was angry, of course. It gave me anger issues. Did you understand sure. at 12 what you had just been called, N-word, B-word? Uh, not as a combo. Not as a one-two punch, keeping it real. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, I understood. I understood that people died historically. That word, the N-word was shouted at them. You know, people were walking to school as kids and being sprayed with hoses. And not in, our, not in Canadian history, but still I learned about that history, that American history, you know. Right. Dogs biting people and, you know, that word shouted at them. So, yeah, to hear that thrown at me in beautiful Canada that my parents came to because it was the land of, of opportunity in 1968, it was shocking. You said something interesting there, and I want you to uh, take off on that. You said that okay. you didn't feel your blackness, and you're, you're right. It is in other people's eyes, that color, isn't it? Absolutely. I love the way you said it. It is in other people's eyes. I might have to write a song about that. Um, yeah, I didn't feel that. When I took, looked at my tribe at school, I had Jyoti Patel, who came from Pakistan, Johnny Papaspiros, my Greek friend, you know, Ling and Fong from Cambodia. Like, my tribe was the United Colors of Benetton. I ate their food, they ate my food. We had sleepovers. And this was in, like, what, what Toronto labeled as an at-risk community, the Jane French community. Mm. You know what I mean? So, no, I didn't feel my blackness. And it's funny because, you know, I, I always say I'm as black as it comes with a black name black, and I don't feel the blackness. I'm just, you, just, you know, you breathe. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think about it. That's it. Just you, you, you be mm-hmm. who you are. Yeah, but yet at the same time, that color and culture is very important to you, right? Oh, it is absolutely important. It is who you know. You're not, I'm going to lean on my faith. It is who God intended for me to be. I believe that we we all are here to be students and teachers. And so, if we were all supposed to be the same, you know, we would have been created the same, exactly, color and all. Um, I think it's important for Canada to have this conversation because, you know, even there's one instance, it was, it's in the extended version where you know, my, my name is Julianne. Julianne Gordon is my birth name. And I was denied an, an apartment because the, the, the renter thought I was Italian. She was looking for Juliana and Juliana did not show up. Julianne showed up and uh, she just instantly said, oh, no, it's been rented. I said, but you just called me and said to come take a look. It's yours. No, 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 it's rented. Oh, okay. Hmm. Juliana, Juliana didn't show up. You know, we're uh, hearing from other well-known Canadians uh, the horrible things that they were called. What are we learning from this uh, process? It makes for great radio and, and great television, but what are we learning from this, Julie? Maybe a better question is, what have you learned from this? Mm, I like your first question, too. Um, I think that all of Canada, if I could answer that one as well, I think that um, all of Canada has an opportunity right now to sit at the table together and lock elbows, all nations, and uh, speak about what has happened in our past so we can rewrite our future. You know, the youth voice is a very different voice than, um, than ours, and I, I recognize that we are products of our environment. So if we don't teach it differently, it'll never change. And that's what I've, I've learned in, in this, being a part of this first time I was called, some other things happened with another new network recently that happened unexpectedly. That it's not, this isn't a race war. This is to erase what's happened 
um, as best we can in our spirits and speak about it and come together. Like I, I, I'm such a loving person. I said it recently. You can't, uh, you know, squeeze an orange and expect apple juice to come out of it. Like you have to be who you actually are at the core. And I'm love. And I always say I am Canada. I am Canada. And thank God my music speaks to that. And um, it's about coming together and creating a bridge. Here we are, Julie, talking today on the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And mm-hmm. we have certainly come a long way since then. Will we ever get to the point where these conversations are not necessary? Mm, that is a deep question. Will, will we ever get to the point where these conversations are not necessary? I hope so. I, that's, the, that's what's coming right to my heart right now. I believe that we can. I don't like Dr. King was say, had a dream and uh, his dream has, has become quite the reality. Uh, even in my time, our time to live, to see, you know, a black president, you know, that's a big deal. And so um, now kids, black kids around the world could say, Hey, I could be that too. We no, we no longer could tell our kids there's, there's never, ever, there's never been, so there'll never be. Right. So I believe that we, you know, with these conversations with allies and I'm going to be flat out with white, amazing, privileged allies and privilege doesn't mean money. It's not your economic status, right? It's just a position in society speaking up like you are right now, amplifying this conversation. We could have a better tomorrow. I think we've all been called horrible things, uh, Julie, and I'm sorry you were called those horrible words at the age of 12 in a weird way though. Has it made you stronger or not? What impact did it have on you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, at, of course, my frontal lobe wasn't even fully <laughs> developed at 12. You know, and I don't know if it was developed even at 30. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, uh, as I reflect, I realize that that, those experiences, like you mentioned, it's not just, it wasn't, yeah, this was racial and it was, you know, derogatory. But, hey, I was called dumb, you know, by an educator. You yeah. know, my sister was called a cripple. I was called a, fat. Was, I was called fat all the time. Yeah. There you go. Right? You know, there's, there are other things. I want people, my, 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 my wish is for everyone to open their minds and recognize, to look into their lives and say, hey, you know what? I was called something too, you know? And I, I don't have to be defined by that. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it has made me stronger. It, it, and, and it has also made me more graceful and have compassion and generosity and, you know, and forgiveness. Like the root, you, you, how are you, how are we to forgive, you know, ourselves and others if we never talk about it? Julie, it has been such a pleasure talking for a few minutes with the queen of Canadian R&B. And you really are, <laughs> you are royalty. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Julie, can I play one of your songs? Can we end on a great note here? Absolutely. I'd love that. Pick one. I'll play it. Ooh. Uh, how about Sweaty or Brown? Let's go back. Sweaty or Brown, Julie Black on CJOB. Give thanks. Roofing.
Julie Black. Great chatting with her. By the way, uh, on social media, go and check out the hashtag first time I was called. There's lots of great stuff out there. Hashtag first time I was called. And we're going to continue with this. Uh, tomorrow on the news, Richard and Julie will have a panel of Winnipeggers talking about the first time they were called, whatever, and Jeff Courier on his show Friday will be taking your stories by phone. Hashtag, first time I was called. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Yeah, minus two, nice and sunny, minus six, the wind chill. Uh, Not as cold tonight, but it is going to be cold. Minus 14 is what they're uh, calling for. Christian O'Mell, what were you up to today, sir? You were out hanging out with a federal minister, weren't you? Well, I was in the same room as her. The foreign affairs minister, Christian Freeland, was uh, at a Chamber of Commerce luncheon at the Delta downtown. Uh, Talking about a few things, NAFTA being one of them, uh, Bloomberg earlier in this week reported that the White House wants to announce with Canada and Mexico the broad outlines of an updated version of NAFTA. Right. Heard a lot about how the U.S. isn't happy with it. And by U.S., I really mean Donald Trump. Mm. We've seen a lot of tweets about NAFTA, how he wants to get rid of it because, in his view, it's biased towards Mexico and Canada. So if there aren't a bunch of concessions, he wants to tear it up. But now the White House is saying they want some kind of agreement in principle later this month to be announced. Now, we heard uh, yesterday from the director of the Canada Institute at Washington's Wilson Center. She's skeptical. It's little more than a symbolic move because the hardest part of the negotiations haven't even started. The only things that this announcement would cover are small little things. I think there's 30 negotiating areas and seven will be covered in any kind of announcement this month. So it could still give us an idea of what kind of Concessions have been made so far by either Canada or Mexico. Mm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Ms. Freeland is heading to Washington tomorrow. We'll talk with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer. And as you mentioned, uh, today she was in Winnipeg at a Chamber of Commerce luncheon. Our firm belief, which is not so popular everywhere in the world today, is trade actually is a win-win exchange. If it weren't a win-win exchange, people wouldn't trade. I feel that Canada has approached these negotiations as the team that has always done its homework, that works the hardest, that is the best prepared, and also is very adept at coming up with creative solutions. When we seem that there's an impasse, rather than say, accept that there is an impasse, that it has to be you know, a zero-sum outcome, to really say, you know what, Let's can we look at it in a different way? And can we get to a place where there is a win-win? One of the many parts of these agreements from Canada's angles is modernizing the deal because it is pretty much a quarter century old. And Freeland gave a specific example how these rules have maybe become a little bit outdated for cars. One of the parts which is listed is cassette decks. And I know, my kids didn't even know what a cassette deck was. And one of the parts which is not listed is rear view cameras. There is huge advantage and benefit to be garnered for all three countries in updating this agreement. And you know, given that this is a business audience, let me also say an objective in that modernization effort is cutting the red tape. Now in this room, which was about 80% men, a business luncheon. She did talk about balancing a job with being a mom. I have a deal with my kids that if it gets too much for them, 
any of them has the right to ask me to quit. So they're incredibly important to me, and being a mother is such an important part of my life. And I think that part of having a really equal society, you know, I've never had a young boy or a young man say to me, I'm really worried about this great career dream I have, and I'm worried, will I be able to do it and also be a father? But I hear that question a lot from young women, and so one of the things that I like to say to them is, it's hard. Balancing things is hard. Life is hard. But I think we can try to balance these things. And she also talked about why the government promotes gender equality and why she thinks it's beneficial to a country. I really think the idea that there is some sort of trade-off to be made or hierarchy of values is not the right way to look at it. I think our feminist foreign policy and our feminist agenda, and also, which I think is very related, the way that Canada stands for diversity in the world and believing that diversity is our strength, in no way contradict and actually reinforce many of our other goals. You know, things like the pursuit of our national interest in free trade agreements. Things like, you know, working hard for the rules-based international order standing up to countries like Russia. I, I think we can do all of those things together if we are a country, which I think we really are, that stands up for strong values, for fairness and for respect for all people here at home. That gives us real strength in everything we do around the world. Pretty wide-ranging speech, eh? She was yep. uh, touching on lots of different stuff. So it was like a fireside chat kind of yeah. setup, like an informal thing. We didn't get to scrum with her after the event. I was going to ask you because all those clips <laughs> were from the speech, so yes. you didn't get a chance so to ask her questions. So we all kind of gathered at the side as she was you know, saying hi yeah. to people, taking selfies, and then she saw us all at the cameras and microphones ready, and she said, oh, oh, we're not, we're not scrumming, and phew, gone. gone. There yeah. she goes. Former journalist, Christia Freeland, yes. now our foreign affairs minister. But, yeah, she's, you know... We've heard a lot of these messaging mm. before along the terms of equality, not that there's anything wrong with that, mm. from this government, and it has rubbed some people the wrong way, but I think for the most part, what she says there is something that a lot of Canadians would agree with. Yeah, yeah. So. And, it, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that free trade deal. Because well, that's something that have, could take a while. Have, yeah, th but, but it's funny because things have kind of dragged on, right? Uh -huh. Nothing, oh boy. And then all of a sudden now they want to be able to make some kind of announcement very quickly on this. Well, so. it seems like we're starting to realize more than a year into this presidency what has actually been accomplished. Mm. So they want to be able to maybe put something out there that says, look, look, hey, NAFTA, yeah, right. we're getting it yeah. done. We're no, getting something big, done. For sure, that's a big part of it. Thank you very much, Christian O'Mell. Appreciate your help with that. Uh, by the way, uh, we have the news at 3 o'clock coming right up here. We're going to check in with Tristan Field-Jones. But let me go to the phone here for an interesting call. This is Bitcoin here. Let me go and see what this is all about. Hello, CJOB. Hey, how it's Cam. Hello, Cam. What's happening? Uh, not too much. Uh, I don't mean to throw you off your stories a bit, but I just drove by Tool Town of all places yeah. uh, up on, in the north end there, yeah. off just south of Templeton. Right. App apparently they got a sign up that they are selling Bitcoin. They're selling Bitcoin? Yeah. Hmm. One of those, they got one of those React signs saying, uh, we sell Bitcoin here. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. It's a tool place. What kind of tool place buys Bitcoin or sells Bitcoin? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks for the heads up, Cam. Yeah, no problem. What that's all about. Maybe they sell drill bits. I can see where a tool town would sell drill bits, but Bitcoin? I don't know.
But hey, maybe they, uh, you know, see an opportunity to diversify. Who knows? It is 2.56, Global News at 3 o'clock with TFJ, and then we will be back. I want to ca- uh, carry on our conversation about how not to waste so much food. All right, we'll do that after the news. And now, uh, Hal Anderson, everybody. Thank you, TFJ. I'm just going to go to cjob.com right now, and I'm going to update you on our question of the day and let you know where the uh, voting is at on this. Uh, Of course, I can't find the question of the day. There it is. Okay, question of the day. The question is, are you aware of how much food you waste? And right now, 90% are saying, yeah, I'm aware. I waste a lot of food. 10% are saying no. And we've heard the number. Apparently, we waste almost 400 kilos of food per year per person. That is a lot. And so we've been talking about, well, a couple things. Ways to save food, not waste as much food. Way to spice up leftovers. A lot of people don't, ah, it's leftover. Eh, garbage, right? Uh, or, you know, maybe a suggestion on how to keep, uh, especially produce. I find that's the tough one, to keep the produce fresh for longer. So let's go to the phone on this and uh, find out what people have to say on this. 204-780-6868. Oh, and it's our old friend, Duck. Duck is the first call. Hello, yes, go ahead. Hey. How you doing? Good. How are you? What do you do to save food? Uh, here's a good one for you. This is one that uh, was taught to me from my aunt. Yep. Cob on the corn. Yep. You leave the husk and everything on it. You throw them in the freezer because she had another freezer that was a huge puppy. Yep. And that was only with uh, cob on the corn. You unfarm, you peel the husk, throw them in water. And hua, it is the best. <laughs> and hua, she grew, yeah, she grew sweet corn. Yeah, yeah. That's so. Uh, that is so funny. You mentioned that because I was just talking to my mother-in-law Taffy on Sunday at Easter dinner, and she used to do the same thing. She used to free uh, freeze fresh corn, and then she had great corn on the cob all through winter. That's right. Yep. Good one, yep. Doc. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. And Bill, Bill, what do you do to save food? We use aluminum foil on uh, on uh, any vegetable like uh, lettuce. You take, as soon as you buy it, take that plastic off and wrap it up completely in aluminum foil. Yeah. Uh, you can do the thing with uh, cucumbers. Uh, you can do it with celery. Uh, and onion. what, the aluminum foil keeps the food better or what? It keeps it for a long time. You can take a, a head of lettuce and it'll stay for two weeks. Really? And make sure you, when you use it, when you use it, and then make sure it's completely closed in. Yeah. I was told that by my sister a long, long time ago, and it really mm. works. I will have to give well, that a try. Try it, and uh, we'll see, and you'll see. All right, Bill. Thank you. <laughs> okay, bye. Hello, Lee. Have you got some food-saving tips for us? I sure do. Go I ahead. love to make soup, and what I do is I take all my little bits and leftovers from my fridge, you know, for weeks, throw yep. them all in the freezer, in a Ziploc bag, when you have enough, add some beef stock or chicken stock, cook it all up, and you've got once-around-the-kitchen soup. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to do, once-around-the-kitchen soup. That's really good. I like that. Yeah, and it never tastes the same twice. Lee, thanks a lot. You're welcome. Once-around-the-kitchen soup. That's a great idea. Uh, and just as uh, Lee was telling us on the phone, I got this text message from Shauna, 204 780-6868. Hal, have you talked yet about garbage soup? So this is her, she calls it garbage soup. Shauna does. 
And uh, Lee called it uh, once around the kitchen soup. I keep a big zipper bag in the freezer, put all my clean veggie cutoffs in there, onion skins, the core from peppers, uh, celery ends, whatever. And when the bag is full, I dump it all in my big pot and I make vegetable stock. Then I add uh, can add flavor to anything that uses water, rice, gravy, stir fries, even pasta can become healthier and more delicious with what could have been garbage. Saw this on Facebook and I'm doing it for been doing it for at least a year now. That's a good idea, Shauna. Thank you. And Ben is on the phone, 204-780-6868. Yes, Ben. Hey there, Hal. Um, yeah, I was just listening to your show there. And, you know, you know, one thing that I do, um, uh, like if, if I have uh, stuff in the fridge there, I, I, I go to Google and I type in, um, like, the ingredients that I have in the fridge, like yes. chicken or pasta or, yeah. like, this type of spice. And then usually recipes will come up with most of the ingredients there. And then you can either follow it to the T or throw in something else. So it, it really saves time. Yeah. No, that's a good tip too, Ben. Thanks. I appreciate it. So good, Cal. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, really good stuff today on that. Thanks a lot. That was fun. I enjoyed that conversation today. 311. We're going to take a break here. We'll check traffic, weather forecast details on the way, and then we'll continue. Hal Anderson on CJOB. I uh, promised that I would uh, replay a bit of a conversation from Mackling and McGarry this morning. I, listen, I, I said this before. We have a great radio station, and I am a fan of this station. I work here. I'm a fan. I listen every morning. I listen all day. I listen on the way home to the news with Richard and Julie. I listen at night to Charles Adler. I even listen overnight if I'm up late enough. But certainly when I wake up in the morning at 5 a.m., I'm listening to Kyle the producer, uh, producer Kyle with uh, What's Brewing, and, of course, I'm listening to Mackling and McGeary in the morning. Anyhow, my point is I like to kind of feature stuff from the shows before me. Because they're great. This morning, Macklin and McGeary had on from CN a guy by the name of Sean Finn. If you are looking for work, listen to the opportunity at CN right now. Take a listen. CN looking to hire a whole bunch more rail conductors. It says no previous railroading experience required, a high school diploma, valid driver's license, and a safety mindset. And it, this is understated here. It says it is a good paying job. That starts around $75,000. <laughs> that starts at seventy five. I'd say that's a great paying job. How does one apply for a career at CN? Yeah, I think, you know, for a young 22-year-old, uh, they can't play hockey for Winnipeg. They come work for us. But, uh, you know, they got good benefits. And, you know, clearly the, the hours can be, at the beginning, uh, you know, some people's minds challenging. But, you know, you're, you're, you're very much, you know, some more challenging work. than, uh, say, a morning show host? No, <laughs> probably not as bad. But uh, at the same time, we start early in the morning. But, you know, we railroad very much in the morning. But, you know, well-paying jobs, interesting. You see, get to see the Canada. You get to meet a lot of great people. And, you know, to your point, we hire them and then we train them. So they're paid to go through the training sessions that we have here in Winnipeg. So you're not taking people from Manitoba and sending them to be trained in Memphis, Tennessee. Wouldn't mind that probably some part of the time, time of the year. But right here in downtown Winnipeg. So, you know, I'm looking forward to having people join us. And, you know, if, if anybody listening is interested in, in applying for a job at CN, you know, just give us a signal on our website and we'll be following up very quickly because we need, you know, um, strong employees. And we like to have people based in Winnipeg because that's where, you know, a lot of this work is being done right now. Sean Finn. Darn microphone button. Sean Finn from CN on with Mackling and McGarry this morning. And, yeah, that's not bad. 75 k a year to start. And they said after Sean left the air, when they came back from a break, they said Sean said, and you work 16 days a month for that. 
not bad. So maybe talk to CN, cn.ca, I think is the website. Uh, if you're looking for work, interested in making a change, they might have a good opportunity there for you. Chris is on the phone with a traffic tip. Yes, Chris. Hey, yeah, there's a uh, accident southbound Main Street at James Ave, right in the exchange there. The two-car crash, center lane. Emergency crews just arrived, but it should be a while before that's cleared up. Southbound Main in the exchange around James, eh? Yep, you bet. All right, Chris, appreciate the help. Thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah, I definitely appreciate all the help, especially when it comes to traffic. And yesterday, we had two listeners give us tips on great news stories. So by all means, if you see, you know, something unusual or something weird or, you know, just something in traffic, let us know. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. My inbox is always open. That's the best way to get a hold of me. 24-7. Hal at cjob.com. I mentioned earlier what today is. Today is Child Help Day of Hope. It's Hug a Newsman Day. Uh, It's International Day for Mine Awareness and Assistance in Mine Action, Jeep 4x4 Day, Walking Day, Paraprofessional Appreciation Day, School Librarian Day, Tell-A-Lie Day, Victims of Violence, Holy Day, Vitamin C Day, Walk Around Things Day, Whole Grain Sampling Day, and World Rat Day today as well. Some celebrity birthdays today. Clive Davis. He really is a music mogul. It says that here. Music mogul. He is. Clive Davis, 86. Craig T. Nelson. He was on that show Coach. He was on Parenthood, one of my wife's favorite shows. 74 today. Craig T. Nelson. Pick Withers from Dire Straits is 70 today. Steve Gatlin from the Gatlin Brothers is 67. Mary Margaret Humes. Uh, she was Gail, Gail Leary on Dawson's Creek. She's 64 today. David E. Kelly, the producer, is 62, TV producer. Uh, Constance Shulman, I didn't know who that was till I looked. Uh, she plays Yoga Jones on Orange is the New Black. She is 60 today. I love that show. Great show. Uh, Graham Norton, talk show host, British talk show host. You see him on TV here. Uh, every once in a while. He is 55. Robert Downey Jr. is 53. Nancy McKeon, she was Joe on Facts of Life. She's 52. That's crazy. David Blaine, the magician, the illusionist, is 45 today. And Jamie Lynn Spears, she's Zoe on that Zoe 101, uh, or was on that Zoe 101 show, but she's also Britney Spears' little sister. She is 20. Seven. And one more here. One more birthday today. And it gives me the chance to play one of my favorite songs. Josh Todd from Buck Cherry is 47. For all of you who I have offended today, I play for you now as we head to a break. Buck Cherry on CJOB. I'm sorry. I really am sorry.
I'm sorry I'm bad I'm sorry